0: Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. Obviously, we got the Super Bowl coming up. I did an episode earlier today just kind of going over my analysis of the game. So now we're going to uh, dive into some of the more ridiculous uh, ridiculous aspects of the game, I should say, uh, just in terms of prop bets and some of the other things going on in terms of stories. Uh, coincidentally... Uh, There is a story out from Gronk that he invited 69 family members and friends to the game. Obviously, Gronk being Gronk, you can tell that this was completely coincidental. It had nothing to do with anything else uh, going on. It's just, you know, he just happened to only have 69 family and friends available for the game today. Uh you know, Gronk just being Gronk is all I can say about that. Now in terms of other things going on with the game and surrounding events surrounding the game, uh I can say that the city of Philadelphia is what can only be described as a state of emergency. The Eagles, <laughs> as you know, have a very rabid fan base, one that can also be described as delusional, slightly psychotic, uh, borderline, uh, just psychopaths, lack of a better term. Yes, there are some noxious Eagles fans that can be normal, but then there are folks who just take it to another degree that really shouldn't go to, but that's what they seem to take pride in, as can be seen in a number of YouTube videos, uh, including one that was based uh, around the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia uh, theme saying that the gang goes to the Super Bowl. You can Google it uh, and see for yourself, uh, but for those of you who know, you know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to Eagles fans. So to that effect, the city of Philadelphia tried different techniques of mitigating the crowds uh, for the NFC Championship game one of which include applying Crisco to the poles surrounding the facility of Philadelphia uh, just because uh, fans would climb light poles and anything else that they could grab a hold of and just be general idiots on top of light poles, regardless of the obvious dangers to their safety being high up in the air. Clearly, based off of the videos that transpired after the NFC title game, this strategy was less than effective. Uh, the city announced that they would be giving up any measures of trying to combat the citizens and would just rely on the police force to keep a dutiful watch on the proceedings and hope that everything uh, worked out for the best. Come to find out today, uh, the city has now involved... <laughs> And I guess this was their secret plan, but it's so ridiculous on the face of it that I, I have a tough time not laughing completely during this one. But this the city has decided to <laughs> uh, um, employ... <laughs> I mean, they, they, they're, they're literally rolling out tubs of hydraulic fluid to apply to their poles throughout the city... uh, Because they're water-resistant and incredibly slippery, if anyone's familiar with the way hydraulic fluid works. Now, there are a couple of issues I have with this. Not because I, you know, don't appreciate their efforts of protecting people from their own stupidity. It's just the fact that uh, hydraulic fluid is not exactly the most environmentally friendly thing you can use in the world. So the fact that they're applying it to a number of uh posts all throughout the city of Philadelphia one would have to think that eventually that hydraulic fluid has to come down and eventually that crud is going to be on the uh on the ground and going into the city sewer system at some point in the future. Now hopefully they've uh, engaged with uh Uh, the EPA or some other regulatory authority to at least run it by them to see, hey, is this a good idea that we're using uh, hundreds of gallons of this stuff to lubricate poles to make sure these idiots don't fall? You would think that they would have approached that, but uh, there's been no word as to uh, uh, what uh, thought process went into this since this was all kept hush-hush. So uh, now they've... uh, been uh, uh, essentially uh, greasing hundreds of poles throughout the city of Philadelphia. They're they're probably in the thousands at at this point since we're a little past of... uh, We're uh, nearing uh, uh, the uh, two-hour mark uh, before the game. But uh, it's just incredible that we've come to these lengths to actually address the... (laughs) Uh, to to the to address the general debauchery associated with Eagles fans everywhere. Now, this has been talked about at length in terms of Eagles fans and Patriots fans. They got lambasted on Saturday Night Live, so I'm not going to go uh, into that uh, uh, sketch. But uh, it, a couple of things that uh, you know you, you're hearing throughout. Uh, If you talk to the Eagles fans, they genuinely believe that they're going to take over this game and win easily. Uh, They're they're, uh, they're very confident, including wearing their dog masks, that they're going to blow out the Patriots. You know, I love the fact that they're that confident in themselves. It's just, I question uh, where they are going to be in about a couple of hours, because Again, the Eagles are the underdogs in this game. The last check of the line still puts them at four-point underdogs uh, for the game. So, you know, there's uh, there's quite a bit of trepidation that they should have, given the fact that they have Nick Foles at quarterback. So, I've already gone into the analysis of the game. Uh, for those of you who did not hear that uh, show earlier today, uh, basically, I put this as a Patriots victory. I think that minus four line... Probably ends up being uh, the push area. I think the Pats uh, are down. I have them down for a 24-20 victory. Uh, Maybe the Eagles try to uh, cut it to a point with a field goal late, and uh, that's how they cover. But, you know, this is not a game where I see the Eagles winning, nor do I see them putting up enough points because I think New England's going to be at 24-plus points in this game. Uh, by the end, uh, by the end of the game, I just don't see where e- the Eagles are getting that kind of offensive production uh, to beat that, unless they get a defensive touchdown at some point, uh, either defensive or special teams touchdown at some point in the game. Uh, I, I think this one uh, is actually going to be free of uh, a defensive touchdown. So, so again, looking at this, uh, but you know the <laughs> the. Uh, the 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 overall feeling is that the Eagles fans are confident. I I look at this because it just goes into uh, the absolute contrast with the Patriots fans being as obnoxious as humanly possible as as per the norm. So uh, you know it's uh it's one of those uh, that it, uh, it's uh it's it's gonna be an interesting development. Uh, one other thing that uh, you know. I found to be comical is that, and I saw this story come up on the local news, apparently in, uh, for those tra- uh, traveling into, uh, Minnesota today, they were greeted, uh, well, the, uh, traveling to the Super Bowl this weekend, they were greeted by a TSA message that they have to put out their Super Bowl program as they're, uh, being, uh, g- uh, greeted, uh, uh, in the, the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport. So, for those folks traveling in abroad and they have to go through, obviously, the check-in uh, from international flights, uh, their Super Bowl programs, they have to uh, uh, carry them in the, their carry-on baggage uh, because apparently the uh, magazines uh, that uh, contain the Super Bowl programs have holographic... Uh, Uh, transfer metalization that can cause issues with the baggage screening, making people think that you're carrying a bomb instead of just trying to watch Tom Brady uh, win his sixth title. So, uh, another... uh, The fact that the TSA have to actually put a a notice out there probably means that the NFL would have been better off thinking this a little bit uh, through uh, some more. But, uh, you know, the NFL, you always... Think of them as uh, very caring about their fans and other issues like domestic violence and racial equality and everything else. If you can't tell the sarcasm, I'm sorry. Uh, It's uh, been a couple of episodes already, so uh, bear with me if you can't tell the sarcasm emanating from my voice. Uh, We're going to get to the NFL Cares About Women uh, segment in a future episode because that one deserves a little bit more time uh, to uh, to marinate over uh i just didn't uh, get enough time to uh devote more uh more more due respect to just how the nfl handled uh their perception of women and uh, domestic issues uh, over the entire super bowl week but that that story's coming another aspect i wanted to cover uh for the game and this has to be filed under utterly bizarre but apparently for the halftime show, the reports are that, uh, for those of you who didn't know, Justin Timberlake is performing uh, the halftime show. But he, I don't know if it came from Timberlake, his reps, but someone, and whoever it is, deserves to get fired. But someone came up with the idea that Justin should perform the Super Bowl show not with Beyonce, not with any other act that you can think of uh, that's uh, uh, popular, but instead he should perform the Super Bowl show with a holographic image of Prince. Now, mind you, Prince has already performed at the Super Bowl, and he has arguably, if not, uh, actually I, I think it's a, it's a clear cut case, but uh, some people point to Michael Jackson, but you know, it's... You you can make your own case, but like Prince had one of the greatest halftime shows ever. There's no reason for, and there are many grounds, but there's no reason to rehash uh, Prince's material for a halftime show. But more importantly, from all the dialogue that's been uh, addressed uh, uh, by folks in, uh, in terms of uh, people who knew Prince, would state that there's uh there's uh, uh, no reason that uh, uh, Prince would have ever signed off on this. So, again, these are rumors being spread by TMZ. So I'm hoping, hoping that uh, this is going to be a, a bogus story and that no one actually signed off on this. Because if they did, like I said, they deserve to get fired. But, you know, like I said... I'm 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 very I'm very concerned about the halftime show because you know Timberlake already has enough baggage as it is from Nipplegate and Janet Jackson. He does not need another Super Bowl debacle uh on his resume as, as it stands right now. So uh stay tuned to see if it does or does not happen, but you have been forewarned that the Prince hologram story is out there, so uh just Hope for the best. And uh, I want to also mention uh, one other thing before I get into the DFS lineups because there are DFS contests uh, today, both on DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, The Hall of Fame inductees were announced uh, yesterday, and it is one of the most stacked classes uh, you'll ever come across. But uh, it's Bobby Beathard, the GM of the Dolphins, Jerry Kramer, uh, the longtime uh, center uh, for numerous teams, including uh, the Packers and and the Dolphins. Uh, You've got, for modern players, you've got Randy Moss, uh, Ray Lewis, Brian Urlacher, Brian Dawkins, and T.O., Terrell Owens, all going into the 2018 uh, Hall of Fame class. Now, Owens is an interesting case because he should have been in there for a few years now and he kept getting snubbed by the writers because they deemed that because he was a jerk to them it was worth holding him out even though he justifiably was better than some of the inductees that already went in ahead of him just to prove a point so you know in terms of the group that he's going into this class is so loaded that if anything they probably buried him especially because this class is so loaded uh, between uh, Randy Moss, Ray Lewis, Erlacher, you know, that's a really deep contingent of fans that you're uh, going up against. Now, T.O.'s play with so many teams also is that it's going to be hard to kind of reconcile how many fans from different teams are going to show up for him. I, I guess you could make it a, a case for uh, the 49ers and uh, Cowboys fans showing up for T.O., but, you know, again, because of the fact that they uh, they loaded this class up with so many... Uh, I mean, believe me, they're all deserving. But because there are so many big names in this Hall of Fame class, you know, that's probably what they intentionally did to T.O. That's my guess. Uh, I mean, I guess they didn't want to get called, uh, called out again for snubbing him. But, I mean, if you were trying to bury T.O. in a Hall of Fame class so that he wouldn't be the focus of the weekend, they picked a hell of a year to do it because, you know... This is a a Hall of Fame year that could actually overshadow T.O. himself, uh, given his propensity for drawing media attention. Uh, But it's going to be interesting to see how uh, that uh, pans out next uh, year as they uh, actually do uh, the Hall of Fame ceremony. Because, uh, again, T.O. is, for whether you like him or not, he always creates a story. So it should be interesting to see how he handles... uh, the Hall of Fame speech and uh, the actual atmosphere of Hall of Fame weekend. So, uh, more to come on that, but uh, I just wanted to get that uh, out there before I get into a little bit more detail for the Super Bowl and the DFS picks. So, just to kind of go over the format, uh, because it's actually going to be a single-game format for both uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, obviously. Uh, But, uh, you know... It's uh, On DraftKings, you've got a budget of uh, $50,000 for uh, four offensive players and two defensive players. So it's a different format, obviously, with uh, not having the requirement of uh, uh, specific positions uh, to be involved and the fact that uh, you're selecting individual defensive players rather than the whole team. Uh, To that end... The question becomes the dynamic of do you roster a quarterback here? Because the train of thought is, with only four offensive players, yes you could roster a quarterback, but they're going to be the most expensive player on your team and would you be able to afford the depth of having the quarterback on the roster? Because again, it's going to tie up your budget. So, uh, on DraftKings, you've got Brady at a salary of 15500 and Nick Foles at a salary of uh, twelve thousand eight hundred. Now, for my analysis of the game, I mentioned the fact that if the Eagles are actually seriously going to win this game, Nick Foles should not be a true factor in it. I mean, I, I'm saying that Nick Foles' uh, pass attempts should be thirty or less. They cannot be forcing Nick Foles to throw the football if they're, if they're wanna, if they want they ha- want to be in this game. Nick Foles is not going to be the answer. The answer is going to be with running the football and controlling the clock. So you keep Brady off the field and you uh, make the uh, Patriots uh, have to drive down the field uh, with uh, not as much uh, uh, leverage. Even if you can't get a, a scoring drive out of it, you got to pin the Patriots in and uh, play the field position battle and make them drive down the field. So, again... I look at this and I'm saying this isn't a great matchup for either quarterback because, again, I'm expecting the Eagles to not outsmart themselves and play a smart game. So by that measure, they need to be able to control the clock and run the football. So not as many plays uh, to run offense. So I don't see this turning into a high-scoring 300-passing uh, yard game for both quarterbacks. I think Brady gets there just because he's throwing underneath to his receivers. But I don't see Brady having a monster uh, game in terms of touchdown throws and whatnot. So I just think from a evaluation standpoint, it's harder to roster Brady uh, tonight than uh, in most games, especially with a point multiple like uh, 15,000. I mean, the amount of points Brady would have to score to justify that, I, I mean... He's get, he, Brady would have to be uh, closer to uh, twenty eight to thirty points to justify that kind of salary, and you know t- in order to do that he he'd have to be throwing for three fifty and at least three touchdowns just to get close to that. So I I just can't see uh, the Eagles giving up that many points. So I think there's one where you're looking at it from the standpoint of okay where else do we go uh, here? So. I'm looking at this as a running back kind of game. Deion Lewis uh, is at 8,900. you got a couple other options here. Uh, James White, 8,100. Burkhead, 6,900. I mean, all three have legitimate cases uh, to catch a number of passes. Deion Lewis is the most obvious option, though, so uh, that's who I would be going with. Uh, The other offensive option... uh, uh, I would say you should be strongly considering putting in there would be Jay Ajayi. Just because I talked about the formations uh, that the Eagles excel in and the formations the Patriots struggle uh, defending, and the most logical position the Eagles sh- should be in would be shotgun runs to Ajayi. Uh, ma- namely because, again, in 11 personnel, that being three wide receivers, a tight end uh, running back, the Patriots have been giving up over... Uh, five and a half yards to carry this season. And in the playoffs, it's been even more uh, abundant that uh, 11 personnel has been giving them fits. I look at it, the Eagles have run 60% of their run plays out of 11 personnel. So I expect to see a number of carries for Ajayi. I also see carries coming from Blunt, but I, I, I think the focus is going to be getting a Ajayi going. I think he's going to be the bell cow for the game today, and you're going to see probably his highest workload of the season. If the Eagles, uh, like I said, want to win this game, I think they're gonna have to rely on him moving the ball more than trying to work uh, play action with uh, Nick Foles in the in an RPO type of uh, arrangement. So uh, I, I look at Ajayi as an option. Uh, so I have him in my lineup. The other options I would look at from an offensive standpoint, and uh, the, you know, you can go uh, along the route of Alshon Jeffrey. He's had a very good run in the playoffs thus far. Uh, part of it's due to Minnesota quitting uh, last, uh, well, two weeks ago. But again, you know, Jeffrey made the plays he needed to make. So uh, he's got a little bit of a hot hand. The other hot hand would be Danny Amendola on New England. Uh, Amendola has been averaging over uh, at nine targets a game in the playoffs. I mean, it's just been uh just uh i mean i don't know what you would call it to be to be frank because uh he's doubled his uh, fantasy points per game output from the regular season to the postseason. Uh, he had 28 and 22 uh, i mean what else are you going to do uh, you know amado has been dealing uh, lately so i uh, i look at that i'm i'm saying uh, amado is priced above uh, brandon cooks for a reason uh, Brandon Cooks is only at 9,100. Do is 9,500. But if you're looking at the matchups, uh, it kind of makes sense that uh, uh, New England is going to be looking at it uh, from the standpoint of, you know, who can we get open underneath? I, I think the Eagles are going to try to um, clamp down a little bit on uh, Gronk uh, in some ways, uh, playing tight man coverage. So they're going to try to jam Gronk hard and Cooks I, I I definitely see them uh having someone uh, shadow over the top uh, just to make sure that when they're in nickel and dime situations uh, Cooks can't uh uh, uh can't dust uh, dust this corner and have a nice uh open uh, open field uh, target for Bray to throw through. I think they're going to have someone over the top uh just kind of uh mute the effect that uh, uh Cooks can have with his speed. So uh in terms of uh that standpoint uh you know, I look at it. I'm saying that uh, Amendola does make the most sense uh, to me in terms of uh, the New England wide receivers. And then finally, Gronk. I mean, Gronk is Gronk. Uh, you're probably going to get Malcolm Jenkins playing Gronk uh, today. Uh, my thoughts on that are: Good luck, Malcolm Jenkins. I, I just, I just see it as a case where. You know, Gronk's price at uh, uh, 12400 you know, it's a lot to ask for, but if there's one offensive player you're play, uh, paying a premium on, it's probably going to be Gronk. It's just, you know, a good matchup where you know the Pats are going to be relying on Gronk to put up some numbers tonight. You know, I, I just see Gronk having, you know, another game where he's getting double-digit targets Because it's just going to be there. Uh, You know, uh, Malcolm Jenkins can play tight coverage as he wants, but Gronk's size just puts this in a really difficult position for the Eagles to uh, defend. And I just don't see the Eagles uh, wasting uh, time trying to double-team Gronk. Because, yeah, you can double-team Gronk, but the problem is is that when you double-team Gronk, that leaves you one man short, on underneath routes, and that just spells disaster because that means Brady can pick you apart underneath with uh, Deion Lewis, uh, Cooks, Hogan, uh, Amadola, There are going to be guys open underneath if you're going to try to double-team Gronk uh, and bring the guy down. I mean, it's one thing to have a safety uh, just kind of patrolling over the top to make sure that uh, uh, Brandon Cooks ju- uh, doesn't take you to the house, but it's a whole different matter when you're bringing somebody in uh, and bringing them down uh, to concentrate on Gronk and then Brady has time to actually uh, line up someone underneath uh, on the certain route. So, uh, I look at that and then I'm saying, you know, it makes the most sense uh, uh, that Gronk's in there even though he's very expensive today. Uh, and I, I was looking hard at Zach Ertz as well as an alternative. I may play another lineup uh, including Gronk and Ertz together, but, uh, you know, to me, yeah, Gronk um, uh, was a definite lock here. And in terms of defensive players, uh, Trey Flowers and Nigel Bradham, uh, both on Philly. I, I mean, sorry, I'm am saying uh, Philly. Uh, I'm saying Trey Flowers. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, of uh, of uh, of another uh, player, but um, actually, the uh, Bradham on Philly. Uh, you know, versatile linebacker. The issue uh, is that you know with defensive players, it comes down to more of a toss-up in terms of what they're able to do. Can they force uh, force tackles? Can they turn the ball over? Flowers gives you opportunity for New England uh, just because he led the team in total tackles and had a team-high six and a half sacks, along with uh, two forced fumbles uh, in the regular season. You know, he's got some different uh, formations that he can appear in. Uh, Bradham, you know, uh, for the season he had 68 tackles uh, and two sacks as well. So it's just one where I look at it and I'm saying, you know, go with guys who have put up the numbers in, in volume. It makes the most sense uh, if you're playing individual defensive players. Uh, try to get cute and hope that... Uh, some guys are going to be making a ton of plays. I, I just think that, you know, it's wish, wishful thinking. And, you know, we're not doing wishful thinking. We're trying to at least uh, win on some of these matchups here. So uh, that's the way I, I kind of view it. So uh, that, uh, just a recap, uh, for DraftKings, the lineup uh, I have currently is Deion Lewis, Amendola, Gronk, JJ Trey Flowers on defense, and Nigel Bradham on defense. So uh, those are uh, the DraftKings options. And uh moving over to uh FanDuel, uh you got a different setup, uh, but uh from the thought process here, you know, again, it's uh it's gonna come down to, you know, how much are you gonna pay for a quarterback? So on the FanDuel side, uh you get uh you get, uh, you get a couple of uh variations here uh one being that it's only five players but uh there's no defensive players involved uh so in this case uh fanduel setup is that you get uh, five players and one player counts for double points so uh obviously two times points so you're looking at someone who's going to get uh, a number of uh receptions and just touches uh, i kind of looked at this as a situation where uh you know the choice to me was clear. I went with Deon Lewis as the uh double points uh player. Uh but uh, in terms of the lineup, uh I've got this is where I actually have uh, uh Zach Ertz, uh Over Gronk. Uh reason being is that uh pricing-wise on FanDuel, uh you're looking at uh even though it's a $60,000 uh, salary, so it's a higher salary. Uh, the prices are even more expensive. So Brady's actually seventeen thousand on Fanduel. Uh, Gronk comes in at fourteen thousand five hundred. Foles is at thirteen five. Uh, Lewis is at thirteen thousand. Uh, you got Alston and Jeffrey at twelve five. Amendola at twelve five, and Ertz at twelve grand. Uh, uh, you know other guys you can look at would be Ajayi uh, at twelve grand, along with Brandon Cooks. Aguilars at eleven grand. And, uh, you got James White uh, at, uh, 10 grand. So, uh, you know, this is, a interesting one because I, I, I kind of looked this and, uh, told myself that, uh, you know, whatever you do, you kind of, uh, put, put, uh, make sure to put yourself in the spot where, uh, you can at least get, uh, proper valuation on players. So I, I did it where I've got Ertz in there, uh... Just because I'm still short of money for Gronk, I'm, I'm going to see what else I can do. Uh, but I, I'm I like the way my lineup looks at the moment. Uh, so I got as a differential at least I've got Ertz at twelve grand, Amendola at twelve five, uh, Algalor at eleven grand, James White at ten, and Deion Lewis as I get, as I mentioned the double uh, double points player uh, at thirteen thousand. Uh, So that leaves me about 1,500 left. Uh, I mean, realistically, uh, the only uh, real changes I could make uh, to uh, fit uh, Gronk in there would require me to replace Deion Lewis with Gronk. So I may actually try that as a differential in some of these lineups uh, uh, just to kind of cover myself. But, you know, you kind of get the point with it being... So condensed uh, the way the DFS lineups are going to be arranged is who's actually going to score touchdowns. I just look at it from a sense of uh, Lewis makes a lot of sense just because he's going to get a number of looks uh, from Brady uh, in the run game and the pass game. So to me, when you have a dual threat, you got to make him the double points player. Uh, you know the other option is uh, you pay you pay up for Brady. Even though he's 17 grand, uh, and you hope he has the big passing day, I mean that's realistically what you're banking on with double points. Uh, I'll play at least one lineup with Brady. It's just going to be incredibly hard, uh, budget wise, to fit him in uh, without resorting to downgrading your other players. So then you're uh, you're left with the likes of playing. Uh, both Rex Burkhead and a guy like Corey Clement uh in the lineup uh yeah, i mean Burkhead will run you 8500 Clement about 7 grand uh another guy like Trey Burton uh 6500 you would have to do it because Brady would take up so much of your salary so that's where uh it gets a little bit complicated when you uh, uh run these uh, more elaborate uh Scoring uh, systems, and you're just hoping uh, that uh, it pans out. So, uh, those are the lineups. Uh, take that uh, with a grain of salt, if you will. Uh, just because anything can happen in uh, a big game like this. Uh, you know, obviously, it's going to be a lot of emotions going uh, going through everyone uh, tonight. But uh, you know, I, I just look at this as, as a game where New England should prevail. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles won. But uh, it's just uh, one of those situations where I, I kind of see uh, New England just having enough guile uh, to get through it, even though uh, the Eagles probably give them a run for their money more than uh, people might initially expected might have expected them to. So uh, that's all I've got. Uh, enjoy the games, folks, and uh, let's uh, hope we do not see a Prince hologram because. Uh, you know, I just, I really hope that halftime show is not the train wreck that uh, people were pitching it might become. So, anyway, enjoy uh, enjoy the game. Hopefully we get decent commercials as well. And I'll be back in uh, touch with you guys uh, in the next couple of days to recap everything that happened in the Super Bowl.
0: talked about position in all of sports the quarterback and now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought-after role on the field celebrity QB featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss